0: everybody doing yeah okay well I, I, I don't know about you but I've had a great morning so far I have enjoyed worshiping alongside you I have enjoyed uh, praying with you I've enjoyed just everything that we've done and I just wonder here at the start of 2020 can we pause and give God a shout of praise for a second can we just lift up come on church I'm giving you permission to yell in church That's right. Even better, a movie theater. We never get to do that, right? We don't get to yell in movie theater. We get shushed. You don't yell in movie theaters. You get shushed, unless you're at the uh, Star Wars premiere, and then it's somehow permitted. Permitted. But um, so here we are. We we are at the beginning of a new year. Today begins our third year of ministry in Greenwood. This is our our first gathering of the new decade um, of 2020. Such an odd thing to say, 2020. It sounds even weird thinking about it and saying it. I remember. Uh, I remember growing up in the 90s and thinking how weird it was going to be to have to transi- transition to the 2000s, right? Like, like we're, are we going to say 2001, or are we going to say 2001? And that may sound weird to you, but how do we refer to the first uh, year of the 20th century? 1901. It wasn't 1901. It was 1901. So I, was, I, I don't know. But obviously, 2001 sounded stupid, so nobody did that. Um, <clears throat> But at this point, we've arrived at 2020, and I'm pretty sure everybody's going to say 2020, 2020 sounds kind of weird, so I doubt many people are going to say that. Um, so, so all across our great country and probably the world, pastors everywhere are using the 2020 vision uh, Joke—they can't pass it up. Uh, it's just—it's built in, and you got to do it. And so, uh, so we're talking about vision. Um, we're talking about direction. We're talking about our calling here uh, at the beginning of the year. I always love the start of a new year. It kind of has this feeling about it, right? It kind of has this just just air about it. We we look at the new year with fresh eyes. We see endless opportunities. It's full of new possibilities and new directions and new goals and. And that's what so many of us do, right? We make these goals and, and, and these resolutions, and we set bars and objectives in front of us to, to, to achieve, things to accomplish in the new year, and we feel as though that if we like, change or tweak something about our lives, that we'll get better results than last year. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get better results than we did last year, but then we give up or we back out or we make a mistake or we do something and we end up not and we, we end up not accomplishing those goals and just basically in the same place that we were last year. The problem for most of us is this, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about New Year's stuff, uh, but, but just bear with me for a moment. The problem is, is that most of us, when we approach these changes, we, we do so by ourselves. We, we go at it alone. Okay, so, so maybe, you, maybe we do tell our, our husband or our wives or our bestie or whatever. We tell them, like, hey, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm quitting smoking for good. I'm done. Hold me to it, we tell them. Like, smack me if I light up. Like, just do the whole thing, right? That's it, I'm done with sugar. Like, putting it down. Cold turkey. I'm dropping the pounds this year, and that's all there is to it. We, so we come up with these, and we, tell, we do, maybe do tell a friend or two. And, and maybe some of your goals are less physical, and maybe they're more emotional or spiritual Maybe you finally want to move on from that terrible thing that happened to you a year or two years ago, or maybe you're setting a goal to go see a therapist and begin to actually work on some of the things that you've been struggling with mentally, and and so maybe that's like your goal, but the problem is, is that you're still approaching it. Even in all of that, we still go at it alone, and what I mean is we don't invite the God of all creation to get involved. We don't don't ask God to lend us his steadfastness. We don't ask him to pour out his grace on those areas of our lives. We don't look to him to provide that endurance we need when all hope seems lost. Listen, church, if you want to accomplish these New Year's resolutions, these goals that you've set for yourself, if you want to accomplish them, can I encourage you today to invite God into the process? Can I encourage you to allow God to work in that New Year's resolution? Because God cares about your big dreams. God cares about your small dreams. God cares about your big goals, and he cares about your small resolutions. He is a good, good father, and our God is resolute. Yeah, I don't think you're all with me today. I'm going to say it again for the people up top. We have to ask God to be a part of and guide our resolutions because we serve a God who is resolute. I've said this before. He's more than resolute. He's absolute. So when we fail, our God doesn't. Come on, somebody. James says that he does not change like the shifting shadows. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Resolute. And we can draw on that same power and that same strength and that unwavering quality of the Lord and employ it in our own lives. And and in fact, church, let me take it a step further. You have that same absolute resolution inside of you if you're a believer here this morning. So, So we should not give up and say, I can't do it. Because you can, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't don't approach it and say, I'll probably fail anyway, so why even try? Because, honestly, you will probably fail, but God doesn't, and he's on your side. So don't say, I'm not strong enough, I don't have enough willpower, because you have the power of the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all things known and unknown, the king of glory. His power is at our disposal. His power is a prayer away. His power is ready to bring glory to his name. So set your goals, church. Set your resolutions. I don't care if they're spiritual or not. Like just set some goals. Sit them down. Shed some pounds. Read some more books. Make a new friend. Serve others more often. Get a side hustle to make some extra money. Go on a trip. Chase some dreams. Do something. But in doing so, trust in the Lord. And if you mess up, remember that he doesn't. And he's the absolute resolute that you can turn back to. And, and like, a, like a good, good father, he will pick you up, dust you off, and send you back in to complete what you started. Okay, that's all I have to say about New Year's. God is so good, amen? Amen. All right, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this year, church. We, I talked about it some last week, and <clears throat> I believe that God is going to advance his church this year. I believe that God is going to move in Greenwood and Abbeville and 96 and all over our area beyond. I believe that everyone here will be a part of it. He is calling Legacy City and other churches to advance in 2020, to move forward in his power Carrying his gospel. Look at three people and tell them it's time to advance. Listen, it is, it, I believe, I really believe it is time. It's hard, to do, it's hard to do that whenever we're so far apart now, right? We used to be smashed together and now you're, you've got like, you know, five feet around you. You, you've got, you can stick your arms out and not touch anybody. Before, let, let's, let me just give you a mental image, okay? Before we advance... We must first prepare. Before any battle, the troops have to be briefed. They need to know the objective, and they have to be prepared to go and take that objective. Before a big fight, a fighter has to first prepare him or herself for the challenge. They have to eat carefully. They have to work out vigorously. They have to watch old fights of their opponents. Before a teacher teaches a class, they first have to prepare a lesson plan. Before a runner runs a race, they need to put in hours of training. I could keep going, but I think you understand what I'm getting at. Before we can be ready for the task that God has for us in this city, in this community, in this church, we must first prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, our souls. And we're going to do that with a church-wide 21 days of prayer and fasting. We did this last year, and it was incredible. I personally, I feel like those 21 days last year changed my perspective on so many things. I drew closer to the Lord during that time. I, 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 my prayer life became so much more robust. I found myself listening more and speaking less. I even began to appreciate quiet moments more, which is saying a lot because I stay on the go and I'm around people constantly. But I began to appreciate those small quiet moments with the Lord. And so we knew that we had to start 2020 this way as well. We are were, uh, we're, we're going to, as a church, pray in unity for the next 21 days, and we're also going to fast together. Now, I know you might think we already pray a lot. We are a praying church, and I make no apologies for that. Uh, we've said from, from day one that this will be a house of prayer. And I think we've honored that. But the question that comes to mind as we're talking about these 21 days of prayer and worship, uh, sorry, prayer and fasting, uh, the question that probably comes to mind is like, what's the whole deal with fasting, Right? Like, we, we spend, you know, as believers, maybe we spend a lot of time in prayer. Maybe you have a designated time in the morning or in the evening that you stop and you pray. Maybe you pray along the way throughout your day. Maybe you pray in the car or in the shower or, or wherever. Uh, maybe, you, you know, but, but do we actually, as believers, do we really dedicate significant time to fasting? Now, now, some of you may have come from more liturgical backgrounds, and you might give up something for Lent, like like chocolate or soda but what I'm talking about is true fasting. Okay, Pastor, what is, what is fasting really? Here's the most succinct definition that I can think of. Fasting is us abstaining from something good, like food, for example, in order to receive something better, in exchange for something better, that being God. Now, now this is an element of prayer and worship that I believe gets dropped in our modern view of Christianity. And, and here's what I want to do. I want to give you a few reasons why we should fast and then explain the way that this will all work over these 21 days. So this morning is kind of a, a two-part message. First, we're going to talk about prayer and fasting, and then we're going to spend a few moments talking about our, 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 our vision statement, our mission statement as a church. And um, we could do just like an entire series on fasting this is not going to be exhaustive. Uh, this is a broad overview. Fasting is super important in Scripture. And, and his word, in fact, it mentions fa- uh, fasting. It's mentioned in 92 passages uh, in Scripture. And so many of our heroes of the faith, including Moses and Elijah and Esther and Nehemiah and Daniel and Paul, they all fasted at crucial points in their lives. And so Jesus both taught and modeled fasting. Uh, if you remember, after being anointed by the Holy Spirit, he was led into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. We're doing 21. He did it for 40 days. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave specific instructions in, in Matthew chapter 6 on how to fast. Jesus knew the followers he addressed would and should fast. And so we do it to show humility, to depend on God more, to repent, to know God's will, and to develop. Discipline. I've seen this in my own life as well as in Scripture. I believe this fasting brings breakthrough. Such as in Daniel. Uh, Daniel fasted for three weeks in Daniel 10, and then the angel Michael comes to bring a message of encouragement for him and visions of the future. His fasting brought breakthrough. I think fasting brings new seasons of ministry, like in Acts 13 when the church was fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit called them to be set apart and to go on a new mission to Cyprus. I think fasting also opens doors of opportunity like in Nehemiah 1 when he fasted and prayed and God opened up the opportunity for him to come become the new cupbearer for the king. Fasting is so crucial to the Christian walk, and I hope that these next 21 days will show that and that you will feel led to incorporate fasting more into your personal life, into your, into your prayer and worship journey. So, so here's what we're doing. 21 days starting tomorrow. Let me give you a few points, and I think I actually have these up on the screen for you to look at. A few things. Here's what we hope to see through this time of corporate prayer and fasting. Uh, number one, we, we, hope, we hope that this will humble us. We hope that we'll be humble during this time. That, that we'll take some time to ask forgiveness for our sins and the sins of, of our land. It says in, in 2 Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So we hope and pray that we're humbled during this season. Also pray that we seek God during this time. Specifically, seeking out God, declaring, declaring our dependence on God in every area of our life. Big things, small things, family Friends, job, relationships, finances, health. Dependent on God in all of those areas. The whole idea is to become less dependent on yourself and more dependent on the Lord. That's, that's the whole idea behind fasting is that we, we, we're not dependent on what we can provide, on what we can do, on, on how we can help ourselves, but we're more dependent on how God sustains us. So that's what we want to do during that time. We also want to pray and 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 look toward uh, his kingdom coming. During this time, we want to pray for the completion of the the great commission and and just the great revival in our generation. We're seeking breakthrough in this community, new ministry opportunities. We want to begin to make real and lasting impact with the least, the last, and the lost. We want to spread the gospel into this community and see lives actually changed. And we're going to talk about kingdom in a moment. It's going to come back in just a moment. So we'll come back to that. And, and we want to hear from heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to hear from heaven. I want to invite the presence of God into our church and into our lives. We want to see souls saved. We want to see signs and wonders and miracles and transformed lives. And shouldn't that be to our desire anyways? Like, shouldn't that just always be our desire to see God moving in a miraculous way. And I think for some of us that's a little scary because that, that means being uncomfortable. It means things not going exactly the same way that they always go and that scares people. I, I, know, I believe this. Some miracles in the Bible absolutely freak some people out. They saw it and they were scared. They were terrified. They were freaked out because it was just different and it was, it was weird at the time. But, but to stand and witness a true miracle, I want to hear from heaven. I have a few friends that work at um, a church called Seacoast, and they start their year with 21 days of, of prayer and fasting as well. Uh, they they kick off their year every year. They've done it for I don't know, probably a decade or, or more. And um, and so they they had this the, the start of 2019, they had the 21 days of prayer, and at the end of the 21 days, they organized a prayer. And uh, a prayer for healing. It wasn't like a prayer and healing night. It was just like, we want to pray for God to heal. And, um, and it was inspired by the pastor's sister who had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. And so if you're not familiar with Seacoast, they're a very large, non-denominational church with campuses all over South Carolina. I think they've got a few in North Carolina and Georgia. And, um, and, and they're based in Charleston. And honestly, they, they look a lot like us for the most part, just, you know, infinity times bigger and, uh, I mean, they're, 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 there's nothing really weird or odd about them. They've, they've never really been involved in a big controversy. Uh, their pastors are solid and above reproach. And, and so at the end of the 21 days, they had this prayer night, and it, it lasted. Uh, they had this prayer night. It was, it was probably scheduled for an hour, hour and a half. It lasted for seven hours. All right, they're not, they're not charismatic. I know you were, you're thinking, oh, uh, that, you know, if, if some of you are from charismatic backgrounds, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's how it goes. They're not charismatic. They, they, they're, they're. I mean, again, they're they're just kind of average, typical sort of, sort of church. And so, um, it, it lasted for seven hours, and over 200 people reported being healed that night. And, and they were blown away. They were shocked. They were, they were like, I don't even know if this is real. They started calling people during that week, like, are you still healed? Like, did this actually happen, or was this just like in the moment? And, and they were following up, and they were checking in, and people were, and more and more people were reporting, me, not only the ones that were there at the gathering, but there were people emailing and saying that they were healed while watching online from their homes, and, and the leadership was just astounded. They had never experienced anything like that, and they honestly didn't even know what to do with it. A month later, they felt God leading them to have another service. And and, and they just they, so they just said, we're going to go with it. We don't know what this is, and we don't know, like, how to label this and what this is going to look like. But we just feel the Lord saying, like, we need to do uh, this again. We need to provide this again. And 3,000 people showed up to their main campus. They had people at other campuses all over. And another once again, another 200-plus people were <clears throat> We're healed. Now listen, whether you believe in the sign gifts such as healing, whether you believe that they are still active or not, uh, whether you believe that they're still applicable to us as Christians or not, something happened at that church. And it came when God's people had prayed and fasted and believed for him to move. And that's what I want this church to do. Expect God to move. Expect God to move. Uh, we want to look at next steps, praying for people in all, wherever they're at in their journey, wherever, their, wherever people are in their faith journey, we want to pray that they take their next steps, they find freedom, they discover purpose, they make a difference, that they know God in, in this church, in other churches, and, and in the community, and finally we want to believe God for answered prayer to our specific needs. We want, we want, we want God to answer our specific needs All right, last week, many of you were here, and uh, we filled out these cards that said, This year I'm Believing God for. And you dropped them into the the thing. And so I've been praying over those cards this week. And I hope that you've been praying over whatever you wrote down. And over these 21 days, keep praying over it and keep asking God to to work and move in that specific area. Let's be praying over those during these weeks, and let's believe that God is going to move in that area. Okay. So that's kind of like just a synopsis of some things that we're hoping to happen that we want to see. Uh, let's talk about fasting for just a second because I know this idea might freak you out. You hear what I'm saying and you're like, yeah, I want all of those things. That sounds great. Get closer to God and, 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 and hear from heaven. And, and so all those things sound pretty good, but I want to see miracles. I want to grow close to the Lord, but I'm freaking out a little because I don't know if I can not eat for 21 days. Let me ease your nerves a little. If that's you, listen, everybody can find a way that, to fast that is both beneficial and safe. It can look different for every person. Okay? <clears throat> There's a timing thing. Like maybe you don't fast in the same way for all 21 days. Maybe you mix it up. Maybe you change it up a little bit. I know what I did last year was, uh, was I fasted three different ways so I did seven days one way, seven days another, and the last seven days another way, and I kind of changed it up from week to week to kind of get a different experience. And so I want to share with you these four main types of fasting that you see on the screen here. Uh, we have uh, all the way at the top there, that's a complete fast, a complete fast. Now this one is more for the fasting experts. I wouldn't recommend this for anybody who's fasting for the very first time, uh, unless you just do it for like a very small portion of days, not, definitely not the whole 21 and probably not even a seven, but... <clears throat> But a complete fast means you abstain from food, uh, pretty much completely. It means that you 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 basically only drink juice and water, and um and and you kind of survive on that for, you know, however long that you choose to fast. And so uh, that's a complete fast. That's what that one looks like. We've also got a partial fast. A partial fast. Uh, some people look at this and call this a Jewish fast. Um, and basically, the idea with this fast is that you fast for certain parts of the day. And, and generally, when it comes to a Jewish fast, that means you don't eat during daylight hours. Uh, so if you wake up early enough, you can have breakfast. Um, if you were like me, last year I did this for seven days and I didn't wake up early enough, which means I just ate dinner. And um, and so so you, you, you have uh, just sort of you you block out the entire day and you say during these daylight hours I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about food I'm not gonna focus on food instead I'm gonna focus on the Lord. Maybe you give up your lunch time that you would normally have if you if you have a lunch break at work and you take that time and you dedicate that to God. So instead of eating, you're not just not eating. You're replacing the eating with with just pouring more into God and His Word. And so uh, so that's a partial fast. You've also got a selective fast. Um this one is where you basically just you you take certain items out of your out of your daily diet. So, uh you know, maybe it's sugar or carbs or something that you, you know, really love or something that that's really just high on your list. Maybe you eat ice cream every day. You got to quit that. Um and so, uh some people there there's one that a lot of people follow is called a Daniel fast and it has like all these specific guidelines and things that you can go through. We have all this on our website. Um and then uh and then lastly we have the what we're calling the soul fast. And um I realize now that you cannot probably read any of that. But this this idea this 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 graphic is on our on our website. I'll talk about that in a second. So uh a, a soul fast is maybe you know maybe you're maybe you have a, a certain condition that doesn't allow you to 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 fast from from food. Maybe you're diabetic and you you got to have, you know, sugar and you got to have the different things to to keep your, your diet or maybe, you know, whatever. I don't know what all the different conditions are, or, or anything. Or, or maybe just your job or um, different things just keep that from being possible. And so a soul fast is another alternative. And this is basically where you begin to fast from things in your life. Um, maybe you maybe you fast from entertainment. Uh, that was one thing that I did last year. So so you fast from entertainment for a certain amount of time, maybe for all 21 days or for 7 days or 14 days, and you say, no TV, no no video games, no... Um, no, no cell phone you know, games, no, nothing other than, than talking or, or texting or whatever. Like maybe you cut those things out of your life. Or, or, or maybe you, you cut out social media for, for 21 days. You're like, I'm not going to just fill my time with, with all of that and with social media and being on Facebook and Instagram. And, and so maybe, maybe that's, what, so that's, that's kind of what a soul fast would be, something that, that you spend a lot of time on, that you're going to take that time uh, away from that thing, and you're going to give that time to God. So these are some of the different ways to fast, some of the different things. And So here, let me just sum up the 21 days for you. You pray, and you choose what fasting works best for you. And let me encourage you in this too. I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but I believe so deeply that this is going to just change our church if we all lean into it. And so let me encourage you to challenge yourself. Choose something that will really shake up your, your, your daily life, your normal way of living. It, it's time to deny our flesh so that our spirit can rise. Okay, so we, so we choose how we're going to be, uh, how God's leading us to fast, and, and, and we pray every day. Uh, that's part of the 21 days. We pray every day, and, and you have a prayer list in front of you. I think um, those were handed out. You've got that right in front of you. That's, that's, our, that's the daily list, 1 through uh, 21 <clears throat> right there starting tomorrow and so you pray every day you've got the prayer prompts also somebody's gonna be leading us on prayer uh leading us in prayer live on instagram at about twelve fifteen every day i think we did it at 12 last year but we realized that some people needed a little bit of time to get on their lunch break before they pop open the live and, and have a moment so i think we're gonna shoot for twelve fifteen, and it's all gonna culminate with a prayer and worship gathering on the last day which is sunday uh, the 26th and um We have most of everything that we just talked about on our website, along with some other resources for kids and parents. Uh, I just got ours ready. So, so there, we've, you've got your, your prayer, 21 days of prayer topics here, but also if you're a parent, there's, a, there's another list you can download of w- ways specifically to pray over your kids for the next 21 days. And so I have that on our refrigerator ready to go. Um, you've got uh, this graphic and other graphics. You've got fast articles with fasting tips and techniques and even an additional Bible reading plan if that's something you want to jump into. So go to LegacyCity.Church slash 21 days. I think we have that up there if you want to take a picture or jot it down real quick. Uh, legacy city.church slash 21 days and um, and who knows I have is, is my wife in here I don't know she might be back with the kids uh, okay she's cool she was the kids so I have to talked to her later but but I was even thinking about and praying about like early uh, this morning, as I was kind of just just getting my mind around all this, we may we may even have and open our home home up on Wednesday nights to to have have some people come and just worship and pray, um, just spend some time, uh, kind of where all this church even first started. Just spend some time in our in our loft at our house and just lifting God up and and, and just nothing nothing heavily planned, just prayer. I'll get back to you on that because I got to talk to my wife. But that was something that I was just thinking about. Um, I'll let you know. I do know, here's what I do know. I do know that God is going to move in your lives and I can't wait to hear the stories of all that God does. I believe that this is going to set us up for an incredible year of of just encountering God and and, and responding to his leading. And so that's what's going to be happening. I hope you're going to lean in for that. I hope you're going to be a part of that. Now, my goal for the day uh, in my last nine minutes is uh, to talk about our vision and mission statement that we have here at Legacy City Church. So in these last moments together, we're going to discuss our mission as a church. We'll briefly go over it. Uh, This is how we like like to start every year we want to just bring us all back to the same page and bring all of our new friends up to speed we want to talk about what God has called us to be at the core and then next week we're going to talk about the culture of our church and then the following week we're going to talk about actual vision where we're going where we're heading where God is taking us and then we're going to close out the 2020 series uh, as 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 well as the 21 days of prayer and worship uh, of prayer and fasting with a uh, a prayer and worship gathering. We, we did something similar last year. We called it the concert of prayer. I don't know if it would be called exactly that, but we're going to do something on that, that day, the 26th. And so uh, so that's our roadmap. I just want to let you know where we're going. Now let's see if we have enough time to hit our first stop. Okay, we are for God. We'll just jump into it. We are for God and his kingdom. We are for people and this city. This is our, our simple and easy to memorize vision. This is who we are. For God and his kingdom, for people and this city. And I just want to take a few moments to break this down if you'll let me. We are, let's start with for God. We are for God. Why? Well, first of all, because God is for us. we see this all over scripture. Let me give you a few examples. Then my enemies, this is Psalm 56. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Ezekiel 36, for behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be be tilled and sown. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Our God is for us. He is about us. Listen, I have mentioned this before. There are people out there that try to squash the love that God has for us. They try to cheapen the love that God has for us. They tend to say, God doesn't pursue you, uh, you pursue God. He doesn't chase after you, you chase after him. God's love is not reckless, it's complete and holy. And while all of these things may be based in truth, the intent always seems to be to cheapen the emotional, agape, unrelenting, unconditional love connection between the father and his children. Look, I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How could anyone look at that verse and say that God is not for us? That, that God does not love us. That God is not about us. There is a fine line between humility and humiliation. And there are some teachers that want to keep people in a mode of humiliation before man and God instead of living in humility Before a Messiah that loves us and gave his life for us. We are for God. We are about God. I believe this for far too long. The church has been known for what it's against. And I think it's time that we're known for what we're for. That's why our statement simply says we are for this and we are for that. And that's why our hashtag is hashtag for Greenwood. This church is for a lot of things. We love worship. We love serving. We love being generous. We love the community. But first and foremost, we are for God because, frankly, He is for us. He set the bar pretty high with creation, then He set it even higher with salvation. So we are going to be for Him, about Him, and His glory in all that we do. We are also for His kingdom. What does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? The easy answer will be to note that a kingdom is a territory over which a king reigns. All right, that's the easy answer, but that's not really what we're talking about. The kingdom of God is mentioned 160 times in the New Testament. Uh, we see this when John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness with his urgent announcement, Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand, right? And then Jesus, we see it again when he appears on the scene with the same pronouncement. And, 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 and at the heart of this theme is the idea. I wish we could spend a whole message on, on this kingdom idea. Maybe we will at some point, but I'm just going to give you a, a quick little thing. Uh, it's a kingdom. Uh, at the heart of this, this, will be, uh, God, this is God's idea of a messianic kingdom. It's a kingdom that will be ruled by God's appointed messiah who will not just be the redeemer of his people, we know Jesus to be that, but also their king. So when John speaks of the radical nearness of this breakthrough, the intrusion of the kingdom of God, he's speaking of the kingdom of the Messiah, being Jesus. Think about this, when Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, was he indicating that that his kingdom was something spiritual that takes place in our hearts Or was he speaking of something else? Because here's the deal. The whole Old Testament called attention not to a kingdom that would simply appear in people's hearts, but to a kingdom that would break through into this world, a kingdom that would be ruled by God's anointed Messiah. And so for this reason, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he made comments like, I cast out, uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, I cast out demons with the finger of God. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when Jesus sent out 70 disciples on a preaching mission, he instructed them to tell unrepentant cities that the kingdom of God has come near to you in Luke chapter 10. How could the kingdom of God be upon the people or near the people if it's just something that happens in our hearts? The kingdom of God was near to them because the king of the kingdom was there. When Jesus came, he inaugurated God's kingdom. And when he ascended to heaven, he went there for his coronation, for his formal recognition as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So Jesus' kingship is not something that remains in the future. It's not just the end times where Jesus will be king. Christ is king right now, this very minute. He is in the seat of the highest cosmic authority. All authority, Matthew 28 says, in heaven and on earth has been given to God's anointed son. John Calvin uh, said, it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. We do that by living in such a way that, that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, in our families, in our schools, even our wallets, because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of our lives. I think the only way that the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes again is if we manifest it by the way that we live as citizens of heaven and as subjects of the king. We are for his kingdom. We want God to reign in the hearts and lives of as many people as possible. We are also for people. We discussed a few moments ago that God is for people, so we are for people. We are for all people not just people that come into this church, not just people that have the same gender or race or socioeconomic status as us. All people. Because God is for all people. Romans 5:8 says, "But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." We we are all sinners, right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We are all equally sinful and deserving of hell and desperately in need of God's mercy. We are on equal playing field. And God showed how much he loves all people, how much he is for all people by giving his son to the world. It absolutely breaks my heart to know that there are people that feel like they will get rejected if they even try to go into a church. I don't care where someone was born or, or, or what gender they identify as or how, many, how much drugs they did the night before. If there is one place where they should feel loved and welcomed, it should be the house of the Lord. It should be us. We claim to walk with the God who is love. Love. If we, who have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love living in us, cannot show love to people, no matter what walk of life they come from or what decisions they may have made, then I think hope is lost. Because here it is, church, people won't know Jesus is for them if they don't know that we are for them. And it has to go beyond our prayers. Prayers are great, but this needs to be tangible. If we are for people, it needs to show says this in James chapter 1, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Notice it doesn't say to pray for orphans and widows. It says to visit. There implies action. We've already read this out of Matthew 25, talking about the least of these. When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? This is what he said. He said, when I was in prison and when I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. It says that in the verses right before this. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because you did this for the least of these. You did this for me. Tangible, actionable items. So we're here to show people... Uh, that we love them, specifically the people in our community. And that leads us to the last part. We are for this city. And Ben can go ahead and come on back up. We're we're almost done. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, God is for this city. God is for Greenwood, for Abbeville, for 96. And we just want to reflect his heart onto this community. I love the picture that God paints in Jeremiah of what he wants his people to do. So let me read this passage, Jeremiah 29. 4 through 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Remember, 1 Peter says that we are aliens. We are exiles living in this world, right? That that we don't belong here. This isn't our final home. This is is just a stop on our journey. So we're aliens and exiles. God sent us here. So he's talking about that these these are people who are in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what I want you to do, God says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters themselves. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. God tells us to be here, to be involved, to, to not, not just, listen, to not just be here, but to be ingrained into this community. We said this from the very beginning. If, if We, we want to be a church that, that if we were ever just to pick up and leave for any sort of reason, the community would fill our absence. This is where we're planted, church. This is where God has put us and we are going to pray for this city. We're going to serve this city. We're going to love this city. And when he calls us to spread the influence and to plant in another city, we're going to do the same thing because we are for the city and the community that God places us in. We plan to leave a Jesus legacy in every city that God calls us to. Would you pray with me, God? We love you so much. Uh, We are so grateful, thankful, blessed, and honored that you've called us to be your sons and your daughters, that you've poured out your grace and your mercy and your love on us. God, thank you that you've lifted us out of the muck and out of the mire, that you have made us your own, that you have given us a new name, that that we are children of the most high God, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Thank you, God, for our birthright. Thank you for the future and the hope set before us. But, God, I pray that in these moments as we're talking about what you've called us to be as a church, that we remember that, that this church is not just for, it's not, this is not a, a community center. This is not a, uh, a social club. This is a place where we're coming to learn, grow, and be fed so that we can serve you and your people better, so that we can reach out and grow and influence this community for your kingdom and for your glory. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for what we're going to do this year. We are expectant for big, big things from you this year, God. We, we pray that you will move in us and through us. We pray for these 21 days that they will just be incredible and amazing days that will change us both individually and corporately. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name.